0: morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, Christy and I have been looking forward to this. Uh, before I get started on the message, I did just want to share briefly about why I'm here. <laughs> I don't know how much uh, Dakota shared with uh, all of you, uh, but Christy and I started coming to Wednesday night Bible study, I don't know, two or three years ago. We met some of you uh, by God's grace, and one of the reasons we started coming, uh, because we do Tuesday nights and not Wednesday nights, and it was to fellowship with believers. Uh, It's been a a big belief of mine, and I think if you read the book of Acts, you will see it clearly, that uh, we're part of the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I am just as much a brother to you in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the people that you know here and that you fellowship and worship with every week. And in our nation, uh, unfortunately, uh, oftentimes we, the church becomes segregated and the church becomes more a focus on building our own little kingdoms instead of building the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which is what we're called to do. So Dakota and I started having some conversations about this, and then we eventually came up with the idea of what if we swapped, switched pulpits, and that be a step towards a fellowship, Lord willing, between Holt Baptist and Cornerstone Baptist, which is where I'm from. And that we wouldn't be focused on building Cornerstone Baptist up or building up Holt Baptist up, but we'd be focused on building Jesus Christ's kingdom up because we're in the same area. That we would be a people about the Great Commission going out and telling people about Jesus, sharing with them the gospel, which is God's power for salvation. And then in doing so, making sure those people are planted in a Christ-centered Bible-preaching church, which this church is, and so is Cornerstone. So if I or one of my brothers and sisters in Christ at Cornerstone would lead somebody from Holt to the Lord by his grace, then we would not want them necessarily to come to Cornerstone Baptist. We would want them to come here, where it's closer, knowing that they will be fed the word of God, knowing that they will be discipled. So that's kind of the background of why I'm here, and why Dakota's not here is because he's sick, and Lord willing, he will be a cornerstone in the near future. Okay. So anyway, that's a little background information about that. If you have any more questions, I would love to visit with you after the service. Okay. Uh, This morning... I guess I need to turn this mic on, don't I, so nobody yells at me. Am I on? Am I good? All right. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to be taking a look. At what, in your Bibles, you might have a little title there called the Parable of the Ten Minnas. Not minnows, but minnas, all right? So this is a form of money. So we're going to be taking a look at uh, primarily verses 11 through 27. But I am going to start up in verse 10. And we'll talk about the context a little bit later, but this will help. Context which I'm sure you're familiar with, the Zacchaeus. He was what? A wee little man, right? And in verse 10, Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus and everybody that's in his house disciples, uh, uh, Bartimaeus, who the previous account, blind Bartimaeus, who can now see, he would have been there among others. Okay. And Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minnas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minna from him and give it to the one who has ten minnas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas." I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he will, has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Let's pray. Father, we do uh, approach your throne of grace in the name and by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, help us this morning as we've gathered here, your children. children who have been adopted into your, again, bought with the ransom that is the blood of your son, Jesus. And Father, we do pray that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth here this morning, that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted and honored and magnified. Father, give us a a pouring out of your spirit here this morning. Father, out of your grace, and because we are your children, pour your spirit here uh, this morning. Father, that your word would go forth in truth and clarity and in boldness and and out of love. And, Father, that your children, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be sanctified. Make us more like Jesus and equip us for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Father, help us. Help us to be like the the first two servants. (coughs) Clothe us with your power from on high. To be that shining light in this very dark and wicked world. And that your kingdom would be advanced. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us that we would walk out of this place changed. Help us. And Father, for every lost soul in this place, uh, we do pray that this would be the day of salvation. Father, that the holy spirit would re, would move through this place replacing hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. That the scales would be removed from their eyes turning from satan to your son jesus christ. turning from the darkness into light to the light. all for your glory help us we do pray. Which one are you? Which one are you? I read this parable to you. And there are three types of people mentioned here. And you are one of them. Everybody in here, you meet the criteria of one of those categories. faithful servant, a wicked servant, a servant that has no relationship with Jesus, a false professor, we might say, or the third category, an enemy, outright rejecting Jesus Christ. And in reality, the wicked, unfaithful servant and enemies, they they belong in the same camp, don't they? But you meet one of those, and I ask you, which one? And I would plead with you, because eternity is at stake here. Uh, We're dealing with eternal consequences. That you would carefully pay attention as the word of God is proclaimed. And that you would earnestly and honestly Seek to find which category you belong to. It is the Apostle Paul who says in 2 Corinthians 13.5 to examine yourself. And he's not writing that to a lost world. That's not written to the people across the street there watching TV. He's writing that to a church. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Test yourself. So that's what I ask you to do out of love. I I pray that we would honestly look at what Jesus describes here as faithful servants, wicked servants, and his his enemies. And as we do explore this, as we, we take a look at these three types of people, this is one thing I want you to understand, brothers and sisters in Christ, that those who... The Lord Jesus has sought and saved. Going back to verse 10, where the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Those who the Lord Jesus has sought and saved are to be engaged in His business. His kingdom work. That's His business. Followers of Jesus Christ are to be engaged in the good works that we were created for in Christ Jesus. And that takes us back to 2 Corinthians 2.10. That brothers and sisters, you realize that. Let's go ahead and turn there, because we will be speaking to this. This is important. Verse 10 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's true of you if you're in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you will be engaged in that walk. You will be engaged in in doing those good works. Again, these good works don't save you, these good works are the evidence that you have been saved. And that's what Jesus is going to reveal to us here. So there's four avenues I want to take a look at as we travel down this parable, as we explore it, this parable of the ten minas, to learn more about those who make up the body of Christ. Okay? Or about those, we could also say, who are a part of the church age. The church age being from the time of Jesus until his second coming, and he is coming again. That's the church age. And from that time, and they, we're living in this time, these three types of people are in that church age. Okay? And we will take a look and see what each one of them, what each one of them looks like. So the first thing I want us to do is to look at the context of the parable, okay? The context of the parable. Uh, in verse uh, 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, verse 11, as they heard these things. Again, the these are, uh, it would be Zacchaeus, it would be the people in his house, it would be his disciples, okay? They've been hearing Jesus teach. And one of the things that Jesus has taught them is that he, the Son of Man, the last to seek and to save that which is lost. He has come to to rescue, to deliver his people out of the bondage of sin, to bring them out of this old world and to one day be in the new world, the new earth and the new heaven. That's why Jesus has come. He has come to live, and he came to live a sinless life, And in living his sinless life, he has fulfilled all righteousness on your behalf. And then by his death, the wages of sin is death, he has paid your sin debt in full. And that three days later, he arose from the dead unto your justification. That by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who come to him by faith, those who put their trust in Jesus, those who repent and believe the gospel... You have a right standing before God. That's why Jesus came, so that we could have a right standing before him. And that's what he's been teaching these people. This this would be the message that he would have uh, uh, taught Zacchaeus, because we know Zacchaeus came to faith. Zacchaeus was saved, amen, along with Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. He was saved. Why? Because he believed. He believed the gospel. And who is the gospel? It's Jesus they believed him. They believed he was the only hope of salvation. So they're listening to these things. But then Jesus goes on and he says what? He proceeded to tell them a parable. Why? Because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. See, Jesus, if you go all the way back over to Chapter 17, they've been on their way to Jerusalem. Why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? He's going to die. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his disciples, they are making their way slowly to Jerusalem. Zacchaeus lives in Jericho. It's two miles away. Jesus is on his way to die. He is on his way to accomplish the mission that his father had sent him, and that was to save his people from their sins. And Jesus understands. Again, we've seen salvation take place in Zacchaeus' house. And there's great anticipation among Jesus' disciples and among those that were there, the kingdom of God. It's getting ready to come. But what are they talking about? The physical kingdom. They believe Jesus is going to establish his physical kingdom here on earth. the, The kingdom of God is at hand, right? You understand that. And the kingdom of God is here, right? But it's not in physical form. The kingdom of God at the time of Jesus entering into humanity. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus came here, born of a virgin... That was a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. One day it will become a physical kingdom when he returns for his bride, the church, destroys this wicked planet, and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Then the physical kingdom will be there. Then we will receive what? New physical bodies, amen? Amen. But the kingdom of God is at hand here, but it's not physical. And Jesus knows that. But even his disciples don't understand that at this time. They believe Jesus is going to be riding in and he is going to conquer the Roman Empire and he's going to establish his kingdom right then and there. And that is not what Jesus came to do. Actually, one of the disciples are going to be so, so overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus is not going to establish a physical kingdom, that he is going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. But Jesus here, he knows he needs to teach. He's going to share a parable. He needs for them to understand that he is not establishing a physical kingdom. So he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem, getting ready to die. And what do, what do they think about that? Let's go back over to chapter 18 real quick. In chapter 18, verse 31, Jesus is telling them that the Son of Man is going to be delivered to Gentiles, be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon. After flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will arise He's telling this this plainly but notice what verse 34 says. But they understood none of these things. They didn't understand. Nor would have we if we would have been there back then. Okay? And they did not grasp what he said. So again, Jesus is going to teach them about teach them from this parable about the, uh, the 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 kingdom of god so because he was near to jerusalem because they supposed that the kingdom of god was to appear immediately and then he launches into his parable he said therefore a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return calling 10 of his servants he gave them 10 minas and said to them engage in business until i come but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Around 4 B.C., which is approximately when Jesus would have been born, Herod the Great is going to die soon around that time period. Remember, Herod the Great was the one who had the children around Bethlehem and around Jerusalem okay? Two years and younger, the the male children, he had them slaughtered, right? Because he was jealous of the new king. He wanted to remove the new king. And then Herod is going to die soon after that. We see that over in Matthew chapter 2. And what? His son, Acrylius, is going to take the throne. Well, you know what? The Jews hated Acrylius. They despised him. I wonder why. Well, if on a Passover you had 3,000 participants slaughtered in Jerusalem, you might not think too highly of Acrilius either. So, Acrilius is going to go to Rome and he is going to be, he, what he wants is he wants to be uh, uh, ordained as the king of Judea. And guess what? A bunch of Jews followed after him to Rome to try to stop that. This would have been current history. And this parable that jesus is ba- that, that that Jesus is teaching is based on that historical fact they have an understanding okay of what it is to to have a king that they don't want the nation doesn't want and 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 trying to stop it so that this is where Jesus he's building off of this and he said a nobleman went into a far co- uh, f- into a far country to receive for himself a again return okay so the nobleman, he's, the picture is Jesus is the nobleman, and the far country he's going off to is where? Heaven. He's going to die just a few days after this account that we're reading. He will arise from the dead three days later, and then what takes place 40 days after that? He ascends into heaven. He's going to be going away. The kingdom is not coming immediately. Immediately. This person, this nobleman, he is going to be away. He's going to be away for a while. He's going to a far country. Jesus is going to heaven. That's where he is now. He is seated at the right hand of his father to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. So before he does that, before Jesus, before the nobleman, before Jesus, before he leaves, calling ten of his servants... He gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. Pragmat amahi is the word for engage. It means to be occupied. And if you have a King James version, I think you've got that word there, don't you? Occupied. You are to be occupied in the business of the nobleman. You're to be doing business. What the the nobleman has said, you need to be investing your life in that work. He gave them ten minas, So he's got ten servants here, and each one gives, is given a minna. And what is that minna? Well, it's worth basically three to four months' wages. Not a whole lot. Now, if you're probably more familiar with the parable of the talents, it's a different parable. It's, it's teaching something a little bit different, but its foundation, the foundation of it, the, the background of it, it it's, it's quite similar. But the is that Jesus is giving to his servants, their are three to four months wages. Not a whole lot to work with. And who are these servants? Well, they're professing believers. These are people who say, I follow Jesus. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. That's who these servants are. And they're given a minna. Just like us. Well, how would we characterize that minna? What would be this minna? that is given to engage in business. Again, the minna literally is money. How, much have you, how many of you brothers and sisters got money when you were saved? None of us. So what does this mean? Huh? Oh, this is what it means. Your life. Your life. The only reason you have life is because of God Almighty, Right? Whether you're lost or whether you're saved, you, the only reason you have life is because God has given it to you. And what else could this minute be? Well, hmm, you all have time. I can prove it. You're sitting here. You have time. You're alive. You all have 24 hours a day, just like me. You all have seven days a week. You all have 30, 31 days of the year. You all have 365.25 days per year. Right? You have time. You have talent. Every single one of you has talent. God has blessed you to do certain things, and we all don't have the same talent. Amen. Now, a little caveat here. If you are in Christ... Brothers and sisters, what else do you have besides talent? You have a spiritual gift or gifts. That's a fact. Every born again believer is given a spiritual gift or gifts. You have resources. All of you have resources. You have money, you have possessions. You live on the richest in the richest country on planet Earth. You are so, you are the most wealthy people on planet Earth. Considering that two billion people live on $2 or less a day. Considering that you have more than one pair of shoes. Considering that you probably all have one more, uh, more than one coat. That makes you some of the richest people on planet Earth. You have resources. You have energy. Right? How do you like to invest your energy and your enthusiasm? You're all enthusiastic about something, right? Those are things that you have. Those are, that's the minna. We've all been given. And what's the nobleman? What's our king telling us to do? Engage in business. You go engage your life in my business. That's what he's saying. That's that's what his servants do. I like the way Paul puts it in Philippians 1.21. Live Christ. That's it. It's to live Christ. It's to invest your life in Jesus Christ. It is to seek first his kingdom and His righteousness. That's what engaging in business is. Engaging in business is investing your life in the Great Commission. Your king, your king, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, has commissioned you and commanded you to go make disciples. Your life is to be invested in that. Now That doesn't mean you have to stand in a pulpit doesn't mean you have to be a street preacher. But all of us have a mouth, don't we? And all of us have two lungs. And all of us can produce sound. And we can speak the English language because we live in a nation of people who predominantly, at least in this area, speak English. You have neighbors. I look out here. Christy and I lived here for about six months in between houses. There's people who live in this community right here who have not heard the gospel. That's what it is to be engaged in business. That's what it is to seek first his kingdom. It is to, to, to bear forth fruit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love is the fruit of the spirit. And joy and peace and patience and kindness are simply the facets of this beautiful gem, this beautiful diamond known as love, which agape love is sacrificial and agape love has actions behind it. You invest your life in other people. You put others first. You count yourself as... What's Paul say? Nothing. Isn't that what meekness is? Giving up all your rights so that you can live for another, so that you can invest your life in another. I mean, these are all facets, and we go on and on, striving for holiness. Pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. Fighting the good fight of faith, Paul tells Timothy. Again, these are all aspects. We could go on and on and on. This is what it is to be engaged in the business of the king. And my question to you, are you engaged in that business? Because as I'm, I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, maybe I'm really wrong. But I'm assuming that everybody in here professes to be a servant. Correct. So are you engaging in the king's business? Engage in the the business until I come. Remember, he's on a faraway journey. Our king is seated at the right hand of God. He's been there for 2,000 years, which is a blink when we think about eternity, right? Calling ten of his servants, I'm sorry, but his citizens, His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. These enemies, in the primary context, it's the Jews. Jesus came first to Israel. That's why he's born there. That's why he's born in Bethlehem. Jesus is Jewish. He came to save them first and then the Gentiles. And what did the nation of Israel, what did the Jews do primarily, predominantly? They they rejected him. They hated him. They wanted nothing to do with him. And in our context today, the enemies of Christ are... Those who want nothing to do with him. They, they don't want him to be Lord over their life. They only want him to be Savior. It's a complete rejection. It's those who hate Jesus. And I would remind you that uh, another piece of evidence that you're a faithful servant is that the world will also hate you. John chapter 15 verse 18 and following. So his citizens hated him and they sent a delegation after him saying we don't want this man to reign over us. So that is the, the context of the parable. And then the Second avenue I want to take a look at is the faithful servant. What does the faithful servant look like? What does the one who truly is in Christ, the one who's truly born again, what does this person look like? In verse 15 it says, When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, okay, all ten of them, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know that they had gained by, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minas more. And he said, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minnas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five. So... Jesus isn't going to describe all ten servants. There's no need to. Because in reality, there's only two, isn't there? Faithful, unfaithful, faithful. True follower of Christ, false professor. Those who have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ and those who believe they have but have not because they have not truly believed. So we've got these two good servants, and then we will see the the other servant. He returns, and what's the first thing he says? He ordered the servants to whom he had given the money, the minas, your time, your talents, your spiritual gifts, your resources, your energy, your enthusiasm whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. This is important for every believer here. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Because sometimes it doesn't look like we're making much of of a gain, does it? It doesn't look like we're making much of a profit. Sometimes you just, yeah, it just seems like we're spinning in the same place, right? No. No, listen to this. That he might know that they had bore much fruit, gained much profit? No, that's not what it says. It says that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Okay? So back to this word engage. It is pragmat, you am a he, to be occupied in business, to do business. Now listen to this had gained in the Greek. Listen. Because it's going to sound very familiar. D-app rag mat u-amahi. To do thorough business. That's what that means. What, what, what's he doing? That he might know that they did thorough, earnest business. That they did invest their lives into his kingdom. That's what that means. Jesus isn't worried about the prophet. He's not worried about that because he's the one who builds the prophet. What's Jesus saying to us here, dear brothers and sisters in Christ? You simply need to be faithful and engage yourself in the business of the king. Don't worry about the profit. Don't worry about how much fruit you bear forth. You simply be faithful and God will take care of the increase. You don't worry about that. That's what he's telling them. Isn't that comforting? That you don't have to To worry about, well, you know, I've been sharing the the gospel here with with my whole neighborhood and not one person has come to Christ. So be it. Are you the one that saves anyone? No, you don't save a soul. You are simply to be faithful in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ and then you turn it over to Him. He's the one doing the work. That's what you're responsible for is to be faithful. You're responsible, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you're responsible for engaging in business. You are responsible for the time that you've been given, you're responsible for the talents that you've been given, you're responsible with the spiritual gifts that you've been given. You're responsible for the resources that you have been given, the enthusiasm, and the energy. You take that, that's your minna, and you simply employ it. You engage in it by faith, trusting that there's going to be much fruit, that there's going to be much fruit. And notice verse 16, the the first came before him saying, Lord, notice what he says. Look what I did, Lord. Look what I did. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He knows he simply needed to be faithful. Lord, your mina, your mina, the gifts that you gave me, the time and the talent and the energy and the enthusiasm and the resources, the spiritual gift, what you gave me. Look what happened has made ten minutes more. When does he find that out, brothers and sisters? Not until we're in heaven. You're not going to know it now. Actually, you're not going to see much of the fruit that you're bearing forth. You know why? P-R-I-D-E. Right? God is graciously protecting you from your self by not revealing how mightily he's working through you, dear brother and sister. This should give us great comfort. uh, Hopefully, I pray that you will take this and you'll just simply start being engaged in God's business, that you will engage yourself in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that you will seek that first and his righteousness, that you will earnestly be about carrying out the great commission and leaving all the results to him because all the results come from him amen yeah and he said well he said to him well done good servant because you have been faithful in very little you shall have authority over 10 cities and i don't know what all that means He's going to be rewarded. There's rewards in heaven. I don't know what that means. Because heaven is so far beyond my comprehension, I can't comprehend it. But the only thing I know and the most important thing I know about heaven is that heaven is heaven because Jesus Christ is there. And there's going to be rewards. Amen. And you can pursue what those are on your own, okay? Because I don't know. Verse 18, and the second came saying, Lord, your minna. Again, same thing. Your minna made five minnas. We're all going to bear forth different levels of fruit. I, I have no idea. I mean, I have there there I have this clear in my mind. I have this 100 percent settled in my mind that I will not have as many rewards as the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to fall in the big realm of things, and really I'm not too worried about it, okay? But there are levels. And again, a part of that is how we invest, how we engage. That's a part of it. Because there's going to be born-again believers that get there by the skin of their teeth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. How sad is that? God Almighty has saved you, rescued you from your sins. Look at all He's given you. What's the only thing we deserve from God? Eternal damnation in hell, that's all we deserve. And look what He's blessed you with. But you get so wrapped up in the things of the world that Don't have the time. So those are that's the faithful servant. The faithful servant who has is the one who has (coughs) repented of their sins and put their trust in Jesus. The faithful servant is the one who has looked to the cross. And they believed in the depths of their heart that that man who hung on that cross is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That he has fulfilled all righteousness on my behalf. I have a right standing before God. I stand before God Almighty as Christ stands. And it's not because of anything that I have ever done. It's all because of him. And he died. He died. Because the wages of sin is death. You want a glimpse of hell? Look to the cross. Because that's what the Son of God suffered. And he did that for you. You are an enemy before he saved you. You are a God-hater before he saved you, and yet he saved you. That's something to sing about, isn't it? Amazing grace. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Unto your justification, meaning that you believe that all of your sins were imputed to Jesus Christ on that cross. And he paid every single one of them. He paid the full penalty for every single one of those sins. And returned by faith, his righteousness is accredited to you. And now you have a right standing before God. And when you believe that message, when you believe Jesus did that, when you believe the gospel, You are the faithful servant. It's not because of anything you've done. You're the faithful servant because of all that he has done. But the evidence that you're the faithful servant is that you will be employed in his business. You will want to serve. You will want to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You will want lost people. You will want to live those who despise you and hate you with all of their heart. You will want to love them because of Jesus. And then we get to the second person, the third avenue I want to take a look at. Again, we're we're looking at three types of people. Which one are you? And this one is the unfaithful or the wicked servant. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. This is a follower, but not a true follower. This is a servant but not a true servant. This is someone who will sit in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. This is one who will proclaim to be a Christian, but their life isn't giving evidence to that. Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. This is a person who has an association with Jesus, but doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And it's evidenced by his very words, isn't it? And what does the nobleman say? What does he he say? And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. Your words betray you. Because the true servant of Jesus Christ is overwhelmed with the love and the mercy and the grace manifested in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It inundates us. It flows like mighty waves from the Pacific Ocean. This Jesus is most precious to me. He is my first love. That's the true servant. But this wicked servant, There's no relationship here. It's association. It's someone he has heard about. It's someone who has an intellectual belief, but does not know, has not experienced. The Puritans taught much on this. They haven't experienced that love and that grace. There's no relationship. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what you... What I did not sow. Notice there's a question mark there. Jesus, again, are you really saying this about me? Because what you're saying is revealing your true heart, is what he's saying. And then he questions him Why then did you not put my money in the bank? If you're so severe, I mean, if I'm so severe, and you know that I've given you this minna, and I expect a profit, would you not have at least run to the bank and thrown it in there to gain interest so that at least you could come back and say, oh, here's a little bit? See, his words betray him. His words betray him. And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. This is the thoughtless. This is the careless. This is the selfish, self-centered servant. This is the wicked servant. He thinks only of himself. He thinks nothing of Christ. There is no love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and soul. There's no passion for Jesus. It's just an association. There's no love for his brothers or sisters in Christ. Oh, they're just people who sit in the pew. Yeah, I might be able to get, uh, you know, some uh, money from him, and I might be able to, to have some of these people be a part of my business, or, you know, I might be able to sell them something. And that's how the, this wicked servant looks at the people of God. What can I get out of them? Because I remind you the proof, the greatest evidence that you love God is what? You love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And how do you love them? See, Jesus said something like this. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I love You, This man, this is totally foreign to him. His words and his actions betray him. Again, this is the selfish, self-centered servant. It's all about me. I've got my ticket to heaven. I said a prayer. I walked the aisle. I've got my ticket to heaven. Now I can go to heaven. And I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't have to worry about the king. You know, I can take Jesus as Savior, but not Lord, right? I can have Jesus as Savior, but I don't have to take him as Lord. That's the teaching of the devil. Jesus is already the Lord of all of us. There's almost 8 billion people on planet Earth, and Jesus is the Lord of every single human being that has ever lived. The question is: do you submit to his lordship or do you rebel? And the unfaithful servant, the wicked servant, rebels against the lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, And he said to those who stood by, Take the minna from him and give it to the one who has ten minnas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minnas. Verse 26, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's his to give. It's his to give. It's his to take away. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Luke 8 verse 18. Deny self. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever will, ta- <coughs> whoever will take what God has given them, life, time, talent, whatever... God has given them, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Whoever loses his life takes the talents and the time and the resources, the energy and the enthusiasm. And gives them to Christ. Here I am, Lord. Send me. He will save it. The wicked servant was living for self. The faithful servant does not live for self, but lives for Christ. And then we come to our last category, the enemies of the king. Verse 27, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. eternal damnation, hell, it's real. And everybody who rebels against the king and does not repent or turn from that rebellion will be damned to hell forever because that's what you deserve. That's what we all deserve. These people refuse to bow their knee to the king. One day, everybody's going to bow their knee to the king. There's coming a day, folks, Satan himself will be on bended knee, and he will be professing Jesus Christ is Lord. And everyone who rejects the gospel, rejects Jesus, on that judgment day, you will be proclaiming him Lord, but you will not be able to say with his people that he is your Savior. But that's judgment day. You know what I just said a little while ago, you guys all have what time? And today is what? The day of salvation, according to the word of God. You see, the king, this nobleman, the king, The Lord Jesus, he has terms of peace. They're non-negotiable. You don't sit down and try to negotiate with Jesus. Wrong answer. He has given you the terms, and the terms are repent. Have a change of attitude. Have a change of mind about yourself, about your sins, about who Jesus is, and turn, turn from that. And turn to Him and believe that He died for you because you're a sinner and He paid your sin debt in full. Believe that He arose from the dead three days later. Put your trust in the gospel, who is Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Guarantee it because Jesus says it. Call out to Him. Plead with Him. And keep calling out to him to save you until he does. And he will. And you will know it. You will know it. So those are the three types of people. And all of us in here, we are in one of those categories. And again, my question to you is, which one are you? Which one are you? Brothers and sisters, I encourage you greatly to employ yourself, engage yourself in the king's work. If you haven't been repent, the Christian life is a life of repentance, isn't it? Repent and I cry out to God to, to give you the strength to persevere. This is why we, This is one of the reasons why we gather together. It's to fellowship and it's to encourage one another. You need to be encouraging one another to get, be engaged in the, in the Lord's business. You need to be stirring up one another to love and good works, right? Hebrews chapter yeah so I encourage you to do that I encourage you to be the light of Christ in Holt and this surrounding area I encourage you to join hands with Cornerstone Baptist to be that light in this area because we're on the same team right yeah and if You sit out there and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you're not a true servant. That as what the word of God reveals to us, a true servant is, you realize you feel felt, you fall short. Again, repent and look to Jesus, call out to him, cry out to him to save you because he is your only hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Do help us. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. We can do nothing apart from you. But we can do all things through you who strengthens us. So help us to be engaged in your business. Help us about, help us to be about building up the body of Christ out of love. Help us to be engaged in the Great Commission. Help us to honor and exalt and magnify your holy name. Oh, Father, help us to live Christ. And I do pray for every lost soul here, please. That the seed has been sown, we pray, that's landed on good soil. We pray, Father, you cause the growth save sinners. In Jesus' name, amen.